Well, I want to welcome you back to session two of our, uh, of our very important, I think, panel discussion on church uh, safety and security. Uh, we appreciate so much George Harvey, who is with us in session one, who is our legal counsel here at Southeastern Seminary. And um, in, in his place for this session, we're, we're excited to have Dr. Mike Lawson join us. Uh, Mike, share with us your title, what you do here for us. I know, but go ahead and tell them. <laughs> okay, I'm uh, Mike Lawson. I'm uh, Director of Campus Security. I've uh, been here now about 14 years in that role. I also serve as an auxiliary police officer with the town of Wake Forest. And so uh, that's where we get our police powers for campus. Sure. And go ahead and share them a little bit about what you can share about your past and some of your past experiences in law enforcement. Well, I, I came to Southeastern out of law enforcement background. So I was a, a deputy sheriff in South Carolina for a while and then uh, with the U.S. Secret Service uh, for a year, about a year and a half uh, before I realized, you know, God wanted me to move on from there. But uh, but great experiences, great training while I was there. Sure. And so we're so glad you're with us. Um, we uh, we were going to have another law enforcement, um, uh, active law enforcement member with us. And at the last minute, um, he got called away on a, on a duty call. So uh, we're thankful that you're with us, Mike. And of course, Ron's still with us, Stephen. So we're going to talk through some of these some of these preventive preventative issues. And in the last session, we're going to actually talk, unfortunately, about what if you're in an active situation. So let's talk prevention. So, so Mike, let's just think for a minute. What are some of the security issues, uh, just in, in a general way, what are some security issues that we wish every church might know about? Well, we've, we touched on some of those in, under the insurance side. Um, I think one thing I've, I've certainly learned being at seminary uh, is uh, there's this sort of mentality, I think, sometimes of, you know, we go to seminary or we go to church and, you know, we kind of pass through the force field, you know, and, and, and that can't be penetrated while we're there. And so I think there's this whole mentality sometimes of, you know, we're safe while we're at school or we're safe while we're at church. And, and while certainly that mentality, I think, is changing uh, due to a lot of what's happened, happened in our country, some uh, issues that we've had recently uh, in the news uh, I still see that that issue a lot, uh, and so I think uh, I think part of this is uh, educating churches and, and helping them to understand the many issues from children to youth to uh, to adults to uh, physical security of the church. Um, so I think there's a many issues that, that we could cover, and, and hopefully we'll touch on some of those this morning. But I think just getting past that mentality of you know, well, I'm at church, so nothing's going to happen. Sure. And so let's, let's just bounce off that. So Ron, in your work as a risk manager, you do a lot of assessment and uh, go ahead and, and, and in this in this response, if you would talk about some of the assessment tools that might be available to churches online and otherwise. But let's talk about what are some of the biggest security oversights that you see in your experience with churches? I think um, one is just a lack of training and planning um, and having comprehensive emergency preparedness and crisis management plans, um, what to do, training not just staff but, but uh, congregation members, training people that are in your church and schools. Um, we see it in schools a lot. Um, but a lot of times they'll go through drills and we'll do drills and things, but there's not a, a um, application of the policy or the uh, procedure that's actually written. And so, um, and then the other thing, um, and I'm sure we're going to touch on this in a minute, but is the collaboration with local law enforcement and, and emergency responders that are in the communities of these churches. Uh, I go to some of these churches that are in rural areas and 
they don't even think about, well, I need to collaborate with my local sheriff's department or my local police department in developing our emergency response plan. And um, so I see that a lot. Sure. And so uh, in your work with, uh, with assessment with churches, um, are there are there tools that churches can access, or do do they really? Is it smarter for them to contact an expert like you, or are there some automatic, um, or, you know, self led kind of assessment process that they can go through? There, um, in, in risk management, um, because we're covering so many different areas, and I talked earlier about the triangle that making sure that your policies, the risk management piece, uh, the insurance piece, the safety and security, they're all um, touching each other somehow there's a there's a there's a something that closes the loop and so we talk about assessments uh, that are on-site assessments that are called whole church assessments so that we're looking at all those aspects not just um, you know looking at surveillance cameras um, so there are assessment tools out there but um, a lot of times staff don't know where to start um, we were just talking during the break with someone that, you know, just brainstorming to understand how to get a beginning place and, you know, and a plan for moving forward and developing these plans. Yeah. And Stephen, you were talking to me about, you know, of a, a safe, called Safe Church. It's called Safe Church. Um, there's handouts out front and you'll be, I guess, put it on your website, but it's a, a national entity that works with churches. We have our affiliation through Guide One Insurance. And so if you're a Guide One policyholder, you you uh, get Safe Church for free. So it, it is something you'd have to pay for if you're not, uh, if your insurance company is not doing that for you. But it'd be something to ask your insurance company about, wouldn't it? Oh, most definitely. It's uh, and, and in there, it's the basics on how to build a risk management team and all like that. But at the end of the day, it's it's best if you have an expert sure. like like Ron uh, help guide you through it because each church, as you know, is very different. You know, Ron, you mentioned security cameras. Um, um, Mike, let's talk about technology for a minute. You know, what are some of the technological things that maybe a church ought to be thinking about in terms of just again, we're on prevention. So what are, what are some technological uh, opportunities they ought to take advantage of? Well, some of that comes back to how much money have you got. I mean, that's, that's honestly a lot of times where the rubber meets the road, and, and it takes budget to do that. Um, but there's a number of things I've thought of when, when thinking about this question beforehand. Uh, access control. Uh, you know, you can obviously go to the extreme of having cards and, and, and schedules for doors to open. But even on a simpler scale, uh, one thing we've done at our church is just uh, part of access control is controlling where do people come into the church at. There used to be at our church sort of the mentality of every door got opened on Sunday morning. And there were probably about seven entry points around the church that people could come in from any angle. Uh, and immediately have access to the children's department or to the school, to the to the classrooms or, in, or anywhere in the church. And so part of what we've done at our church is funnel people where we want them to go. And so in other words, you don't have to physically unlock every door in a building and allow access through every point, but have two main entrances or at our church, we have three main entrances. And when people come in, they know they're going to be met by a greeter team. They're going to be that we usually have a security person standing nearby, you know, kind of making face contact with people as they're coming in. And that can be a discouragement. If, if somebody's looking for a soft target and they realize that they have to pass uh, 
sort of a greeter team to get in, uh, that's going to in some ways prevent that. In fact, it was the uh, one of the ladies at the greeter team, I think at Bellevue, who first spotted the gun in that incident. And so again, you know, they came through an incident, uh, an entrance that was being watched, and it, it allowed them to prevent that. Uh, on the other hand, there's there's things like cameras. Again, with cameras, there's, again, two sides of it. One is, uh, are they being actively monitored, or are you just, do you have them just for sort of after-action recordings? And so I think there's, there's a good way to use them that's, that's monitored and looking and watching versus are you just going to go back and look at the recording later? So I think there's a, a good way for cameras to be used and then one that's just kind of after the fact. But there's obviously other things. You can do alarm systems. I mean, obviously this is you know wouldn't be a, in, a, in effect on a Sunday morning, but but even on a Sunday morning, are there panic alarms? Are there, you know, is there a way to quickly notify law enforcement or quickly get that word out uh, once something has started happening? And then certainly children's areas. Uh, that's a huge area to think about uh, some sort of security. And it can be anything. I've seen some churches that do something as simple as as a, a as a, a sticker on the child's back that corresponds to a sticker the the parent takes with them uh, to something more uh, complicated like a pager or or some sort of uh, device that would notify the parent directly. But I think it's important again, as, as somebody mentioned in the first session, you have custody of that child while that parent's away. And so you've got to make sure there's something in place there that this is, you know, just not anybody can walk up and pick up a child. I think that's another big liability area. While we're talking about children and youth again, um, is there anything else? I mean, we covered some of that in the first session, but, you know, that, that's such an area that we want to make sure we're, we're clear on. And I, and, I, and I, you know, I sometimes I assume common sense. And uh, I also recognize that common sense is often a superpower. Uh, and so, um, I, you know, I, I do hope that anybody who hears this and, you know, it's interesting who will hear all of this. This will go out to not only pastors and alumni and friends of the seminary, but it certainly is going to go out to students. Uh, this will be a required uh, video in at least one of our classes. I know a professor is going to use it and we'll push this out in some of our internships and mentorships. And so some of our young pastors who haven't pastored before. Uh, to recognize the need, even in the church planting stages, even in those early stages of church life, to make sure that direct access to your children is obviously not something that, that is available. Um, I, I, have, I was a pastor for over 20 years, and as I've mentioned before, consulted with a lot of churches since, and, and even in my own pastoral life, some pretty tragic events took place not necessarily in the churches I pastor, but in surrounding churches with children. And so anybody have anything else that they want to add? You want to add, Steve? Uh, just to add a comment about cameras. Uh, and unfortunately, another growing trend in the United States is arson. Uh, they're, burning down, they're burning down our churches, uh, and there's no evidence. Uh, so the camera, uh, believe it or not, it can uh, help that, and you can strategically put that. Ron uh, works with schools and churches on where to put cameras, and you can strategically put these cameras, in, and you can get the license tag, you can get the individual, and uh, ca capture these people. The technology has grown greatly, and there's some great technology out there. Um, like Mike said, if you've got, got the funds. Uh, but there are, are some other things, too. Um, we just did a daycare center and believe it or not, the daycare door was not functioning properly and wasn't shutting. 
And the daycare, this is the entrance into the daycare, and it's right next to our major highway. Um, and it had been like that. And when I met with the pastor and the senior leadership, they said, we got the safest daycare in the world. <laughs> but a lot of times the assessment points out things that need improvements, um, or there's also some ways to build in some safety that, um, from a cost perspective, that you can look at too. So. Yeah, and when you think about the church's programming, preschool, daycares, different things that, that churches do programmatically, a tragic story that I was in, not involved with, but a dear friend of mine was, was a large church in another state where a custodian had been filming children in the locker rooms in the Family Life Center for years. Uh, he died of a heart attack. The only way they found out is he died of a heart attack, and they found him, a door would not shut because he had died in the doorway and he had the camera with him. Uh, and uh, they went to his home and found years of videos and had a, had a simple security camera inside the gym been placed probably where you could monitor what was happening, not in the locker rooms, but in the gym part, they would have seen him going in and out uh, with a camera over the years. And so uh, uh, horrible multi-generational uh, impact on that church because he had been doing it for so long. And so a tragedy out there in a lot of places. So let, let's think about that for, uh, as we continue to talk. But let, let's, move, let's move to the security team concepts. I want us to take as much time as we need to because I know a lot of people are interested in, in this. So let's talk, Mike, let's talk a little bit about training security teams. Uh, and, uh, and then, Stephen, get ready because we're going to have to talk about concealed, uh, concealed weapons policies. We're going to have to talk about whether or not... Um, training helps liability and some of those questions too. But first, let's talk about the training itself. Any thoughts on training security teams and how they ought to be trained? Yeah, I think it's imperative you do training. I mean, I think the wrong mentality is to think that, you know, we can just allow everybody who has a concealed weapon to carry it at church and there, and then we've covered it. Uh, because as, as we mentioned in the first hour, uh, you know, just about anybody can get a concealed permit to carry a weapon. But it doesn't mean that they're trained to prevent somebody to take it from them. It, it doesn't mean that they're trained to, uh, you know, shoot very well. I mean, I know a lot of the, the courses here is, is basically you just learn as long as you can show that you can shoot it and reload it, you've passed. And so it, there, it doesn't necessarily mean there's any proficiency with the weapon. And so I think it, it's imperative to do uh, training above and beyond uh, just carrying a concealed weapon. Uh, and it may entail, you know, bringing someone in to, to teach better uh better shooting techniques to teach them uh, when they can and cannot shoot, which ought to be covered in the concealed weapons class, but there needs to be more uh, follow-up with that. And so uh, I think, again, the wrong thing to do is just to say anybody can carry, but uh, what they, what needs to happen is there, there needs to be some plan in place. And I'm not saying discourage other people from carrying, but I think even if you're going to allow concealed weapons uh, permits people to carry in the church, then they also need to understand, look, there is a team in place to handle uh, a situation. And so unless it is your life and your, your, your immediate life that is threatened, uh, what you need to do in a situation is just duck and cover and, and let the team handle it. You know, let, let the ones who are trained and who are part of the plan be the ones that handle it so that we don't get into a situation like we mentioned earlier where, you know, all of a sudden there's 15 people standing up and pulling guns and, and who knows where the bullets are flying. You know, I, I've laughed at some churches and said, you know, the first thing I'm going to do if an active shooting starts is I'm going to duck first and then see who's left and, and then we'll deal with it. You know, and, 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 and fortunately, I think sometimes that's the case. And so I think there's 
got to be a plan in place and there's got to be really there needs to be a backup plan we always laugh about in in the the SWAT community which I, I served on a, a SWAT team for 13 years still active on one uh, and we always say you know the plan is as good as first contact you know because it seems like the first time you meet the bad guy then everything changes and so uh, so even have a backup plan have have re- redundant plans in place uh, to, to make to deal with situations like that so yeah I think there's got to be more uh, training and planning done in these type of situations and I think I think an important issue which I know you all will want to comment on and I think George brought it up to some degree and during in during our break here live we had some great questions that were asked and I'm, I'm trying to make sure that that we're addressing as well for everyone else one of the issues is does the church actually have a policy about can you carry weapons on the property of this church or not and does that matter should the church have a written policy that says yes you can you can carry your concealed weapon on the property of this church or not. Uh, is, does that matter in any way or not? And I, I'm looking to either one of you all I for that. The insurance company uh, wants one, and they're not going. Like I said, they're going to use intentional act not to pay the claim. And I think you have to take a, a common sense approach to it too. Um, uh, some churches are very large. Um, and whatever your policy is, um, you know, you have to talk about enforcement of that policy. How do you enforce the policy? So there's, there's, a, there's that balance that you have to take. But from an insurance perspective, I will tell you, um, they're, they're going to frown on it um, extremely hard. Um, there may be some out there that will accept it, and, and, uh, but most of them are not uh, going to write that policy if that is your policy. Um, so you have to take a strong look at it. And that goes back to assessments. You know, what neighborhood is your church in? Um, we, I've seen some neighborhoods that, um, you know, I wouldn't go to, <laughs> I would want to be armed to go to that church. Um, neighborhoods are different and, and locations of churches are different too. So, yeah. so let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Does everyone on the security team need to be carrying a weapon? Yeah, I would say no, not necessarily. I mean, I, I think there's a, and I, I think there's some trend even to go away from the name security and to call them more like a safety team or something like that. So you can have uh, members on a team who just watch the parking lot, you know, who who are the ones meeting at the door, making that you know facial recognition. Uh, I know at our church right now, it seems like the policy is find Mike, you know. So you know, so you know, there there might be two or three of us who are armed at the church who are who are kind of the ones that they they will go to if it gets that serious but then there's other team members who uh who are just at the doors to recognize people to greet people to meet people uh you know and, and have that first contact with them uh and, and who watch the parking lots and, and and walk the corridors between and, and doesn't necessarily have to be armed in the church where i currently serve a uh, red lanyard means i'm carrying a weapon black lanyard means i'm not and red lanyards are in this particular context. Fortunately, they're law enforcement members, and so they're actually trained people, and so that way they can distinguish between the two. I, I thought that made kind of sense to me. I thought that was a pretty good idea. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Stephen. So from an insurance standpoint, if if we go to great lengths and train that security team, does that help our insurance? Does that does that get our premium lower? Yes. Well, Do we, we have to pay you less well, money? Well, what, what we want, first of all, is we want a formal safety committee established, which like Mike hit on as, as well as Ron, you've got someone monitoring the parking lot. So you got uh, on a given Saturday or Wednesday or, or any time church events are 
being held that uh, their eyes and ears out there watching. So that, that would be in that uh, formal uh, safety program that Ron would help establish. And then uh, back to the insurance piece, uh, you want to add the endorsement uh, coverage for, uh, um, well, we call them resource officers. That's our word that we use in the insurance industry. But they're uh, certified uh, armed uh, law enforcement. And so, uh, while we're talking about insurance again, talk to us a little bit more. We mentioned this group-affiliated uh, program, the fact that insurance companies are more and more interested in churches maybe coming together, or right. for churches who have a hard time getting insured. Correct. So churches are going to – the trend, uh, unfortunately, is churches are uh, being non-renewed, or their insurance premiums are going up astronomically. The coverages are being taken away. So, with that, one of the uh, solutions to this is – forming a group affiliated uh, program, a GAP program. It's where you take a group of churches under, um, it could be under a leadership of a Baptist convention or local or even the seminary. You could have a group of churches come together and you take like 100, 150 churches and then you bring Ron and myself in and we build a solid risk management program. And, uh, and then you're able to uh, fill in the gaps in coverages. We're able to bring in more resources because uh, economically now your premiums are coming down, your coverages are going up, and now there's extra money there to, to pay for the risk assessments. Also having a resource officer during church events. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. I'm thinking about Southern Baptist uh, organization and polity, and I'm thinking on the state convention level and the associational level, how they're, especially in, in terms of the risk management opportunities, that that might actually be something that networks of churches might want to consider doing together. Let, let, me, let, me ask, let me ask you this one. This is a really important one to me, and this actually is a thread that has been woven through several of the presentations that we've put together. Um, again, some of the folks who are going to be watching this are brand-new pastors. They're, they're in their first pastorates. They're, they're, they're recent graduates, perhaps, and, um, and they're looking for best practices. And so one of the things that I've encouraged them to do when we were taught, we did a, a session on funerals. We've done a session on, a, on other issues to where I've really encouraged them, when, you, when you're new to a town, you're new to the community, here are people you ought to go meet. You ought to go meet the funeral home director and talk to them about this. You really should. You should spend time with them and get to know them and, and understand that if this is the most common funeral home that our members use, that you and I are going to get to be good friends, and so we need to know how to work together. I encourage them to go to the hospitals, you know, even before they have people there to kind of learn the layouts, get to know maybe the chaplains or kind of how the system works. Every hospital has its own system. But in this scenario, we're talking about first responders, and so to get to know your local sheriff, your local police department, your fire, your fire department, do something nice for them as a church, by the way, you know, take, take some cookies down to the firehouse, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and love on those policemen and love on those firemen a little bit. But getting to know those, those first responders, and, and let's talk about that even more. Mike, we were talking about this a little bit the other day, I think, in my office. Not only do you get to know them, but to have them come to you and, and do, in a sense, their own risk assessment as first responders so they'll know where to go and, and things like that. You want to comment on that, any? Yeah, that's one thing that we do uh, here at Southeastern. Uh, 
you know, our local fire department and our local police department as well uh, look for places to train. They look for places that they they can go and and practice. And so, to give you a couple examples from just here on campus. Uh, the fire department will call ever so often, and and you you might see them over here quite a few times at the building we're not using over here on the corner. Uh, and they'll we'll open that building up for them and let them practice running steps or, or doing responses over there. Or at nighttime, uh, we'll open Staley and they'll practice running up the end stairways. You know, which is three floors of steps, dragging their hoses and carrying. Uh, you know, carrying the the gurneys and things. And so it gives them a place to go and practice, but at the same time and and train, but at the same time, they're learning our campus. And so if I call uh, the fire department and say, hey, we've got an emergency on the third floor of Staley, they know how to get there now. And so that's one thing that we do here. Same thing with the police department, Uh, you know, especially if you've got a, 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 department that has a canine unit they're looking for places to practice searches and so we'll do the same thing if it's if it's midnight and and wake forest canine unit wants to train over here we'll open any building on campus that they want to come and train in and they'll come in and and hide the drugs and i'll just tell them make sure you find them right make sure you don't leave them anywhere so that's what Um, was in my office yeah that's right (laughs) i promise i don't know anything about that mike but uh, we, we don't open offices i will say that uh, but uh but but they'll come in with their dogs and, and train and so from my side you know i see that as a as, as a plus because they're learning our campus they're they're learning where what buildings are where uh, they're learning the corridors where to how to get to places and so you could do the same thing in your church offer your church as a training site offer your church as a place that they can come and, and call and and do some training in because not only then uh, are are they getting a place to train but also if you need them one day they know where to go they know where the children's wing is they know what it means when you say the back building or the you know the side entrance and it gives them a chance to really get to know your campus as well yeah and ron in your world how how would you consult a church in those kinds of areas well i um, totally agree what mike said the collaboration between the pastor and and uh, the staff there with the local law enforcement and emergency response is critical um just met with a pastor in durham i won't say what church but um, he's been in the community for 10 years and never met with the police chief, never met with the uh, sheriff's department. And um, so we collaborate. We actually set up a meeting for those folks to meet. Uh, that's critical in your planning stage is to get your local. I've not met a sheriff yet that would not go out to a church and visit a church or law enforcement officer. Um, so having that relationship is key. That's really a starting point to build your emergency preparedness and crisis management plans. I mentioned earlier that we were going to have another law enforcement official here with us. He, he actually is a sheriff in the area, and, and he does this. Uh, and so that was we were looking forward to his testimony. And, and from the pastoral standpoint, from the ministerial standpoint, this is just smart, folks. I mean, you know, if you're a pastor in a community, uh, you know, develop a ministry to these first responders. Take advantage of the opportunity to meet with the sheriff and the or the uh, or the police chief and or the fire chief or these guys and have an opportunity to minister to them. Uh, a lot of these folks are looking for chaplains. They're looking for people to send people to when they're hurting. A lot of these folks go through a lot of tragedy and crisis in life, and so you never know what kind of ministry bridge might be developed on the pastoral side, as well as them wanting to take care of you. And so the more that you have them on your property and you're ministering to them, the more they're knowledgeable they're going to be of what might happen on your property and, and be there to take care of you. It's just a, it's just a great relationship to have. And so we, we want to highly encourage that. And so if, if, uh, 
if, if I have the police department come and I have the fire department come and I have good policies yes. and I'm talking to my insurance agent. You're now a great risk. Am I, <laughs> so you're so, going to get so, preferred insurance that's rates. Good. So my money goes down. I have to pay you less yes. money now. Yes. That's all I'm after, you yeah. know, to What's pay you less money. Ounce of prevention's <laughs> worth a pound of care. No, that's great. Hey, can yeah. I add, I'll add one thing there. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned getting to know people, but also uh, get to know your insurance agent. I mean, no, no, seriously. Know, yeah. Just for, you know, Steve is ours here. He's, he's one of our, our, our brokers. And so, uh, you know, one thing, it's not like, you know, my personal insurance, I think in my house, I might go and buy my insurance and I never see anybody from there or, or my car insurance and I do it online and I, I never see anybody, but it's critical in, in the setting of a church an institution, something bigger like that to have them out and make and build that relationship. So I can, you know, I know I can shoot Steve an email anytime and I'll get a response back on these questions that I have. And so that, that's another important relationship. To that's, build. That really is a smart word. Yeah. So what we're talking about in this session, it, it really is about open and closed and what the relationship between those two words means on your campus. Um, from a policy standpoint, from an access standpoint, from a training standpoint, from the liability standpoint, um, you know, the, uh, we, want, we want the church to be open to people, but at the same time, in today's climate and environment, there's wisdom to understand what that word means and to be able to do that wisely in a way. So thank you all so much for this conversation. In the next session, we're gonna move to, um, we're gonna move to a very unfortunate conversation. What if there is an active situation taking place um, uh, in your church building or on your property or in your presence? What do you do? How should you handle that? And so that's what we're gonna do in our final session. So we look forward to, uh, for you joining us then. Thank you.